This is Matt. And this is Jeff. And this is What Did We Miss? The podcast where we explore our pop culture blind spots one episode at a time. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Uh, So uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, for the second time, for the 10th time, uh, you'll notice up front that I am not by myself, but it is not Tony. uh, And I am joined for the second time uh, by my brother Jeff from the Game Sharks podcast. Hello there. Hi. Hi. Uh, thank, thanks for joining me again. No problem. Am I the second second timer? You are the second second timer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a two timers club. <laughs> we like to call it. You're a two timer. Sweet. I'm honored. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our, our sloppy second. Oh, less honored. But I'm um, sorry. Um, how's how's Game Sharks going? Game Sharks is going pretty well. We have a yeah. pretty steady listener base, and we're getting in a real good groove. And every episode we do that feels more natural than the last, and it's just fun chats about video games. And we've we've been enjoying doing it quite a bit. And I'm surprised that we've stuck with it this long, and that it's going so well. I really thought it was going to kind of burn in flames at some point, but we're going strong. <laughs> well, I think you have the core there. Uh, with the four of you and then you can kind of switch out as need be Mm. and that kind of keeps it uh the show on its toes in a way that you always have like at least someone there yeah to be with you and you can kind of alternate people out and um etc etc i i I thought it was funny your your last episode um which when this episode comes out will be like you know a month or so ago but you had mentioned you, you open every episode with email you answer emails mm-hmm. uh and you said that i don't have an email from my brother but he texted me <laughs> uh and you called me out for it i saying, did like you should sending you i should send you an email but i was just like but you're my brother and i want to just have regular conversations with you that's a good uh, point so i thought that was i thought that was kind of funny well because i was just commenting on something about it yeah and it wasn't necessarily pertaining to the episode but it was just kind of funny um what you, you said did pertain me. to the episode, and I use it as part of my argument about why Master Chief yeah. should be in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. It's very relevant. Yeah, and I think, and I sent you another message uh, relating to Master Chief. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a hot debate uh, among most people I know at this point. Uh, we've started. It's like the Batman Spider Man argument all over again. Uh, it's getting quite heated. Why? Just some people. Don't think it's impossible not realizing how some other characters like Cloud from Final Fantasy and Joker from the Persona series and Snake from Metal Gear Solid, how they've gotten into Smash. And they're like, there's no way Master Chief could, though. And I'm just like, what? What world are you living in? I don't know. It baffles me. I don't know enough about it. Yes. Yeah. I think I've made uh, evident uh, on my podcast and on your podcast. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I, I listen to your podcast for my video game news, uh, as as I think I stated on your show and on our show. Uh, but it's funny because sometimes I listen to every episode. Thanks. Uh, and sometimes there are moments where you get so into the details of a particular video game, like the mechanics, mm-hmm. like down and gritty, how things are 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 played and i i it just goes right over my head it's just like i have i have you may as well be speaking a foreign language cuz i'm just like i have no context for 
any of this. I've been dealing like, with that my whole life. With video games? Yeah. It's there's uh it was given the term leet speak a long time ago. Okay. But that's just like video game jargon, basically, where it's sure. words that only pertain to well like if you are not familiar with the video game we're talking about, it's just gonna be nonsense to you. Yeah. Back in the old days they called that leet speak. Huh. <laughs> which is really dumb. It's not a bad thing necessarily. And obviously, like, I do the same thing. Like, I'm sure there are plenty of people when they hang out with me uh, because I'm obsessive about a a great number of things. And if you've listened to this podcast, you probably, (laughs) uh, that's, you know, pretty clear. But um, it's just interesting because there are moments where you're just kind of going quickly through a bunch of subjects, games and all that stuff. And then you'll talk about something, especially like some like card based. Yeah games where i'm just like i I don't uh, what's happening adam adam likes to go into great detail he doesn't play a ton of games and i like having him on the podcast because he kind of gives us the perspective of someone like you who's lightly into video games and was a lot into it very much in the past but doesn't have time for it these days but still enjoys it as a hobby once in a while so giving his perspective is nice and one of the things he does is he plays hearthstone which is a online card game and he'll play it every day every other day this is one of those things you can always go back to and when he gets into hearthstone talk he's gone for like 15 minutes and just talking about stuff i i'm familiar with the game so i understand what he's saying but i can tell andrew has never played uh hearthstone or he might have played it once so a lot of the things that adam is saying just mm. <laughs> derek too i think uh he's only played it a couple times but yeah adam goes on his uh his Hearthstone rants, and it's really... Sometimes <laughs> I, I nod off a bit, and I come back in, and he's still going. It's like, all right, we're good. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. No, absolutely not. Uh, because obviously your show is specifically for people that are interested not only in, in the details, but in the culture of video games. So I think that's great for... for I don't want to use the term gamers, because I feel like it's become a pejorative lately. It's, yeah, it's, it's a weird like, term these days. Yeah, especially because so many people have, like, awful people have co-opted that term to to espouse their awful values yeah when you say the word gamer it like you imply drinks nothing but mountain dew always has cheeto dust on their fingers and lives in their parents basement that is when you say gamer that is what you picture and it sucks that that's what the word has become Uh, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah but back to that kind of like detail obsessed kind of uh, conversation that you have on your show. I think that's a perfect segue for the topic of today's episode, which is esports. Jeff, what is esports? Esports or electronic sports is competitive video games. Okay. That's all it is. Uh, so just imagine you have sports like football and basketball and baseball, and people enjoy watching uh, professionals play these sports at the highest possible level. And that's what esports is for video games. It's usually almost always competitive video games where people are playing against each other and they're just the best in the world. And yeah, that's really what it is. It's just sports with an E in front of it. (laughs) Sports with an E in front of it. I I like it. Um, We had you on our show before and we introduced, well, Tony introduced both you and I to this uh, point and click adventure game that he enjoyed from his youth, uh, Sam and Max Hit the Road. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have you back so um, you could maybe introduce me to something. Uh, Because, you know, I'm a little older than you. So 
there's probably a good chance that I've introduced you to quite a few things. Most of the things I know, I would say. <laughs> Except for video games. No, well, you, maybe you, some video You games. introduced me to video games as a whole. That's true. That's true. So I was, I was trying to rack, I was racking my brain and I, was, I, I need to think of a good subject. And I was just like, wait a minute, this esports is perfect because I know nothing about it. And I wouldn't say it's a source of contention between the two of us, but there's been there's definitely been some gentle ribbing on my part. <laughs> yes, constant haggling. Uh, yeah. So, uh, tell me, like, when did you first become aware of esports, and then when did you specifically start, like, kind of making it part of your? I wouldn't say daily routine, but it's definitely something that you check in on pretty consistently. Yeah, it's it's basically daily at this point um i actually just won <laughs> i won 50 bucks from a fantasy league of legends league that's how deep this whole esports Woo! hole goes so get ready oh no um oh no <laughs> oh yeah fantasy video games uh so my first recollection of like being aware of esports uh, back in high school Halo 3 was the biggest thing on the planet uh, for me and my friends. We would spend every weeknight getting home, playing online, and then on the weekends we all go to one person's house and just get together and play Halo 3 nonstop all weekend long, and it was a blast. We had so much fun, and I was aware that there was something called MLG, Major League Gaming, and this was kind of my first instance of being aware what esports was because there was MLG for Call of Duty... Uh, I think CSGO, mostly a lot of first-person shooting games. Uh, and Halo 3 was the big one, so I would go out and seek out kind of videos and clips of cool Halo 3 matches and highlights and stuff like that. But I never got super into it back then. It was more so just every once in a while you'd see something pop up. Um, think about you're watching the news and some baseball highlight makes the news because it was so incredible. It was more so that. Um, you were just seeing... I was just seeing the biggest things i wasn't following the scene um and it wasn't until 2012 uh let's see it would have been in october it was the season two world championships for league of legends and i had only just begun being aware of league of legends which is currently arguably the biggest esport in the world uh and i i was just enamored with what i was watching because i was just learning the game and there's a lot to learn it's there's a steep uh barrier of entry to League of Legends yes. to understand it, uh, which I'm yes. sure we'll get into later. Uh, and so I was just, I was infatuated with watching these people play on such a high, crazy level and doing things that I didn't even know was possible. And there was a crowd and you could hear them getting hyped and excited for the plays. And there were shoutcasters kind of explaining what was happening and hyping it up. And it just made me instantly fall in love with competitive video games. And then over the years since then, as I've fallen in love with a competitive video game, I've found a pro scene for it and then followed that scene and found players and kind of latched on to certain teams. Like uh, you could ask most people in this area who are fans of baseball and, oh, they're Red Sox fans because I live in Boston. But the cool thing about esports is there's no, well, except for the Overwatch League, but um, most of esports is not location-based uh, teams they're just kind of organizations that were created and then they so you can choose what your favorite team is from the beginning not based on where you're from because i feel like anyone born here is just automatically going to say oh i'm a bruins fan i'm a new england patriots fan are there are there teams that consist of members from throughout the world 
Or are they usually like, oh, here's the Japanese team and here's the U.S. team or the... So, uh, at least in League of Legends, so to clarify, a large majority of the esports I watch is League of Legends. And then after that, it's probably Super Smash Brothers. And then I kind of lightly dabble in everything else, just keep up to date. So, uh, my answering most of these questions is going to be in regards to League of Legends specifically. Uh, For League of Legends... There are players from all over the world that kind of scatter to different regions to play in different regions. Um, North America is often referred to as the retirement home of professional Korean <laughs> players. They'll, okay. they'll win the World Championship while they're in Korea, and then they'll come over to North America to make a lot of money and uh, not take the game as seriously. But uh, yeah, North America has always been the butt of the joke in the competitive League of Legends world. But yeah, there's a Korean league, there's a Japanese league, there's a North American league, there's a European league, there's a Turkey league, there's a Brazil league. So like anywhere you can think of in the world, there's some remote League of Legends uh, professional league there. And like I said, the players will bounce back and forth. They actually have rules in place so that uh, a North American team can't be all Korean players. They have to have at least three resident players uh on their team and then the other two can be from any other part of the world although there's a loophole there where if a foreign player has been playing in the north american league for i think it's three years then they become a resident so we're starting to have teams because it's been around long enough now they're on season 10 so professional league of legends has been around for 10 years uh there's getting to be teams where there's enough korean players that are residents so they're just an all korean team in north america but um Man, that I felt like I just tangent pretty hard. So your initial question was <laughs> just why did I get into it, right? That's where we kind of stem this from. Yeah, well, like when did you become aware of it and 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 why and when did you get into it? Yeah, so I was watching the season 2 League of Legends World Championship and like I said, I was just amazed uh and really enjoying it. Specifically, there was a guy named Voiboy who was playing top lane Olaf and there's some of that elite speak gaming nonsense words for you. Uh yeah. and I was just like, okay, I want to go play this character that he's playing. I want to play the position that he's playing and I want to do what he's doing. Uh, and that's what got me so excited because the great thing about esports compared to normal sports or regular sports or just sports, whatever you want to call it, uh, is you can watch a professional play it and then immediately go play the video game that they're playing and try to replicate it and get better at it. Whereas if you're watching a professional basketball game and it ends and it's nine o'clock at night, well, I can't go outside and play basketball or it's raining outside. I guess I can go shoot hoops in my front yard, but that's one of the exciting things about esports is video games are so much more accessible than sports for a lot of people these days. Uh, so you, it's easy to kind of mix the two together, your own playing with watching the professional scene. I want to kind of jump ahead just a bit because uh, it, it's fresh in my mind, but that's one thing that I was able to connect to was um, this idea of watching something and then applying that. Mm-hmm. And what I asked for you as my guru and or my mentor in the world of esports was to send me a list of, you know, a bunch of videos of various different esports, um, kind of giving me like a, a crash course in in the world, I guess. And knowing that I was a Tetris fan, you sent me a Tetris link. I sure and that's did. one thing that I, I instantly connected with was like, oh, I, I was watching how they were playing and I was strategizing how I could implement that into my Tetris playing. And that's the first time that it sort of clicked for me of why people would watch any kind of esports. Where 
watching the game is like a another form of learning the game. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I sent you the Tetris one specifically. I didn't in my initial list that I sent you. And I went back and I said, oh my gosh, I have to include, what is it, the 2016, 2018 World Tetris Championships that's played on an NES. It's original Tetris, the most like yeah. pure form of Tetris you can possibly play. And I, I was like, this is what's going to get him. This is how, <laughs> this is what's going to connect him to what I see in esports. And I'm glad to hear that, that that's what happened. For me, I, I probably came uh, became aware of it because of you. And I, I don't like have a, 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 I don't have like a specific moment of being like, there's this thing where people are watching and playing competitive video games. Yeah. But I know from uh, occasionally we'll do video work together and that's brought us all over the place uh, and has left us with some downtime and, and you'll always pull out your phone or if we have a computer available, you'll hop online and you're always checking in on League of Legends. And I think that's where I really started to to learn about this whole world and that it was bigger than I had imagined. Mm. Uh, but that's also probably where I would start kind of poking fun at it a yes. bit. <laughs> well, it's mostly because we were also working and it was yeah. just like, it's something older brothers do to younger brothers. <laughs> and I mean, it's similar to the guy who on Sunday has to go to a dinner party with his wife, but is very invested in the football game. And he's just, whenever he gets a check uh, chance, he'll kind of peek over at his phone and see, oh, what's the score of the Bengals game? Oh, they're losing because they're terrible? That sounds about right. You know, <laughs> it's just like every once in a while, you're just checking in on the score. And that's basically what it is for me, you know? That's probably why I've always been so hesitant to kind of to dip my toe in because I've always been put off by that mm. in a way. That sort of need to check in on this thing at all times despite what's happening in your environment. Yeah. Um, and and obviously when we were working uh, and, and you do that, that was totally appropriate in those times because <laughs> we're usually just sitting on our butts waiting around. Yeah. Um, so I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that's something that you obviously do, but I think I always, that always frustrate me about sports fans when we'd um, we'd be out to dinner or something like that, and they're just like, you know, it's the same thing of like of anything to do with your phone now when you're in a social setting where yeah. you pull it out and um, or or they'd hijack a party in order to switch the channel and like this is what we're doing because I need to know this thing right now. Uh, I, that always frustrated me along with the, the, what you had mentioned earlier, that notion of I am from area X, therefore I support team X. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that always frustrated me. So I always liked that notion about esports, where you're, you're kind of like, you're picking a narrative. Essentially you're saying, I like the narrative of this person or this team yeah, uh, or what they're capable of. And then you start following that. I, that makes more sense to me than regular sports where it feels to me that you would kind of at the beginning of a season say, I like these players. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to follow this team or, or a bunch of teams or more accurately, you just watch a bunch of games, as many games as you can, because you enjoy it, the experience of it. Um, but it always frustrated me when I was younger to see people like their, their moods would be dictated by a team winning yeah. or losing. Uh, and uh, especially like in a work environment that, that always felt toxic to me. Uh, I I would never come in and be like, oh, the new Weezer album is terrible, so I'm gonna be mad to everybody, um, and that that was always really frustrating. Um, 
but that that was the other barrier for me for esports was I I'm not a sports person in general. But what I understood about sports is that I could watch a football game and you could you could see a pass or or some kind of you could see players doing something physical that you can automatically connect to without knowing the game. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's about the prowess of the players. Uh, and I didn't, I can't, I don't always see that in esports. Uh, and, and like I had mentioned up front uh, in our segue is that these games can get super, super complicated. Yeah. And I think that's the barrier for entryway in some ways because um, you sent me an explainer for League of Legends. Yeah, it's what uh, like a five six minute video just going five over the to most six minute. basic idea of how to play the game, how to win the game. So I watched that, and then I immediately watched a video you sent me of, you know, people playing the game, mm-hmm. some some big championship stuff, and it just in one eyeball out the other eyeball. Yeah, it was really hard to connect to. So then I watched a second video that I found on my own that was a twenty minute explainer of the game. Okay. That got into really big details. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, I can't keep track of all this stuff. Yeah. So it was hard to watch a lot of the League of Legends stuff because it didn't feel as accessible to me. Um, and, and, and I think I have a decent analogy for that. Um, you know, you know, I'm a photographer mm-hmm. and I'm constantly trying to learn new approaches to my work or relearn things that I've learned to make sure that I'm always getting better as a photographer. If I learn a specific thing about my gear or about light or about posing, and I'm not applying that every time I'm using it, I won't retain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing with any kind of art form or, or anything really where you're learning by doing it all the time. So I think in order to really get a sense of the game, I have to actually play it. Uh, but I, I wanted to go into this episode kind of cold because I think that was the test. It was like, can you get into something like this without having actually playing the game? So, uh, yeah, from all the games I sent you, League of Legends is probably the most difficult to learn or to understand without knowing anything. Uh, one time I, I used to watch it at work. I'd have it on in the background whenever big matches were happening um, and while I was working. And my boss would walk by and he's like, oh, what's this? He's a big sports guy. He does three different fantasy football leagues. He's paying attention to every sport thing ever. And he's always interested. He's curious just because he loves competition as a whole. And he had never played League of Legends in his life. Now I do Fantasy League of Legends with him and he comes in every single day and discusses it with me and he only recently just started playing it but he was watching it professionally and just slowly over time started to absorb it and understand what everything meant just from watching it long enough. So it is possible to understand what's going on if you just put a lot of time into it without having playing it but it's a it's a big task for sure. Uh, I would equate it to imagine football except for Every human being has different statistics and can do different things on top of the roles they play. It's not just like, oh, you have a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver. It's 
you have a quarterback, but if you select this quarterback, he can throw from this distance only. And then if you pick this wide receiver, he can't do damage, but he's really strong. And then imagine the football is like has different stats, and there's just so many more numbers. And that's the one cool thing I like about esports is there's way more numbers than in regular sports, so you have to keep track of all that. There's a lot of math involved, which I enjoy numbers quite a bit. Um, You're a math guy. I, I've always been a math guy. and Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's there's just so much more it's you can watch a game of football and understand okay that guy that they're calling the quarterback he starts with the ball he either hands it to someone or throws it and they're trying to get it to this end and you can explain to someone the basics of league of legends is you got to kill your opponents and then destroy their base but once you're seeing like you can watch football and understand what's happening but just by that basic explanation but from the basic explanation of league of legends if you're watching it it just looks like total chaos yeah, there's some championship footage that you had sent me where you can hear the announcers just losing their mind and the crowd just cheering and the screen is just chaos. There's yeah. like like dozens of avatars with all their own like symbols and bars over their heads with tons of like numbers everywhere <laughs> and chaos and I was just like, "Oh, this is this is overwhelming." To me, in a way, if I'm being super reductive, the game sort of felt like a big capture the flag in a way because it has like those statue things, right? Oh, uh, is, is is that is that a unfair kind of thing, or because you just have to de- instead of capturing the flags, you have to destroy those kind yeah, of yeah. Separate- it's kind of more like a tug of war, and like it's a it's a push and pull of gaining ground on your opponent and slowly pushing all the way to their starting position. Um, that's how more so how I would kind of describe it. It's like, it's yeah. Get to the other side first, but there's a lot of obstacles in the way. And, and when you play, you're playing with other team members from throughout the world. Yeah. So, um, a lot, most of the time I'll just start up a game and it's with four other random people. However, they do this thing called clash every month or so. And, we create a team of five players. So it's me, uh, Andrew, who's also on the podcast, our buddy JP, and then we have a couple other friends that kind of cycle in and out. But we create a team of five. We each have our role or position. So th- like a, going back to football, think quarterback, wide receiver, running back, kicker. There's In League of Legends, there's top lane, mid lane, jungle, AD carry, and support. And those are defined roles, and you play the game differently than each other person in those roles. Uh, So we go in with our assigned roles and then we play the game. We take it very seriously and we're discussing strategy throughout the whole thing. Whereas if I would just go play with four random people, it's much more, all right, I'm just focused on myself because I can only control myself. I'm not talking to the others, these other people. Um, But yeah, for the most part, I'm playing with complete strangers. And I read that um, the retirement age for esports is 25 so you're you're out of i can't i've missed my chance you've missed your chance yes there are a lot of players that are starting to because esports as a whole is so young like i said the competitive league of legends league is only 10 years old and uh, i think a lot of the young retirement was there wasn't a lot of money so they would play while it made sense and then they a lot of the players said okay i'm gonna go finish school or use the degree i got before i became a pro and go into usually computer science or it or something of that manner for the most part um or i guess i'll go be a coach for a team because i don't want to actually play the game anymore but now that 
all these high caliber teams are established and supporting their players. And some players are making over a million dollars a year playing League of Legends. Uh, it's a sustainable job for them now. So they're going to like keep their bodies up uh, to par like they need to with their because a lot of wrist injuries were happening before. But now people are aware of that. and you're chuckling, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, yeah, and it's just yeah, like yeah. a it's kind of a crazy thing to think about that. Oh, you got to keep these video gamers healthy but like a lot of these players have exercise regimens to make and they make sure they're eating healthy so like before it was just like i was saying earlier the guy who drinks mountain dew has cheeto fingers and lives in his mom's basement uh they were the professionals but now it's people who are taking it very seriously so we have players who are in their they're my age they're like pushing 30 uh, especially in some of the older fighting games you have players who are in their early 30s that are still crushing it because those games have been around for so long and they're still being played professionally i read that the average age was 20 to 22 of players uh, yeah yeah that sounds uh, and, right. and i know you said things are shifting mm-hmm. but i mean 20 to 22 and then retirement age is 25 it's kind of like a small window like you have like you you train in your teens and then you have this small window of time to become a professional player. Yeah. I mean, it seems almost as inaccessible as regular sports in that way. That's true. You know? um, but yeah, like I said, I think that's what the average is as of now just because of how volatile it was in the beginning and how much turnover rate there was in the beginning. But now that there's being infrastructures for all these different leagues and different games, I think we'll slowly see that push it way up. And I'm sure the, the average retirement wage will probably start to be somewhere in like their early 30s and the average player age will be in their mid-20s. That's my guess over the next five to 10 years. Uh, when I turned on, like when I watched that video for the first time and it shows the players, uh, my first reaction was, are they all like 14? They all look <laughs> so little. Yeah. And it could be that thing too when you get older where like the younger generations just look younger to you yes you know? absolutely uh but i i read that the richest gamer was kuro takasomi i don't i'm not sure what game he plays i found like a list that kind of listed like the top so many wealthy game players and he makes like four point he, he's worth like 4.2 million wow uh, um, he's, my which, assumption which, is he's a dota player if i had to guess dota yeah which is a it's kind of what it's a League of Legends type game. They're they are played very very similarly. If you had sent me a link, because you did send me one Dota video, and I if did. you had sent that, and it had no description, um, and you didn't tell me, I would have assumed it was League of Legends. Yeah, um, League of Legends kind of ripped off Dota and stole the idea oh. and had it become their its own thing. Uh, I personally like League of Legends better, uh, and the video I sent you. Uh, I, I have a hard time deciphering what's going on in the Dota video, so I can only imagine what it is for you who has no concept of how that genre of game is even played, because uh, I struggle watching that one. Well, it's really funny, because watching it, I, I just like, I, obviously, I wasn't sure how the game was played, mm-hmm. but I was watching it for how it was constructed, because it was like this six-minute clip about like this team winning, um, and it was like an overview of this game. Yeah. with like a narration and it showed like clips of the players but it's really funny because it's so so dramatic yeah they take it very seriously super super dramatic and but it's funny to hear such tr- like dramatic music and intense narration using words like gyrocopter ice <laughs> vortex those are characters names and abilities echo slam <laughs> like i was just like i was laughing out loud and there's a shot at the end where it shows like 
like each of the players like staring into the camera. Yeah. And I, I was just laughing out loud. I was just like, this is kind of funny. And like, I'm not trying to be dismissive of it. It was just like, because it's so silly and it took itself so, so seriously. I mean, in, in that specific moment, they're talking about that moment and like very serious about it. That echo slam and ice, uh, what was it? Ice blast, ice something. What was uh, your name? Ice vortex. The ice, ice vortex. vortex into the echo slam won them six million dollars on the spot so yeah it's kind of a big deal (laughs) (laughs) sure like we're we're using these silly magic words but like there's serious money behind it i i just think it's the context for the video is more what i'm kind of poking fun at i'm not poking fun of the game or them winning money or or what their uh caliber of playing was it was just Mm -hmm. how how serious it it, it yeah. felt like a parody. It felt going, like, oh, this is like a Will Ferrell movie. They're or going for the ESPN 30 for 30 style of documenting players or like big moments. And yeah, it's weird to see them talking about video games in such a serious manner. But I watched these videos. Uh, I think I sent you another one of it was this same channel and they were explaining uh, the Street Fighter clip I sent you. Yes. Uh, and, but I it's wrote down some stuff for that too. It's, it explained it in kind of a dramatic fashion similar yeah. to that one. And so dramatic. See, but I get I get chills when I watch those videos because I think I like understand the gravity of the situation because like, I've been in situations with fighting games where it's like, oh man, if I, if I nail this sequence of button inputs perfectly correctly, it's going to be the most astonishing amazing thing i'm ever gonna do in this video game you know and it's like i get so excited because like i could do this if i put in the effort and the practice i just think they need to find the right way to tell these stories that doesn't mimic regular sports i think if they find their own avenue for this instead of that kind of over the top like this is the greatest thing that's ever happened like so 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 the street fighter one uh basically talks about this championship street fighter match which is one of the most famous of all time it's quite possibly the most famous esport of all time is yeah. this street fighter but clip. the video basically said like it literally it says the narrator says it changed the course of fighting game history forever i mean he's not wrong <laughs> but he also says he, <laughs> he also says poetry and devastating motion yeah that one's a little bit uh I, it's kind of hard to be like street fighter and thinking of it as like poetry like i don't i mean and again like so think about the level that you played street fighter when you were younger you'd go to the arcade you'd play with your friends maybe you'd playing on super nintendo at home Uh, i would equate that to a couple kids playing a baseball game in the sandlot you know and then so no one's going to talk about kids playing baseball in the sandlot like it was it was going to change the world but when (laughs) you were playing street fighter on this level then you're comparing it to like the world series in baseball it's like this is a really big, important game. Like the, this game, you'll never see a team like this ever again. And then people start to talk about it seriously because they're the best of the best, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> the impossible made into reality. <laughs> it had never I, I been think, done before. Again, like, I, I think, again, it's just the tone of it. Like if, if, if people were talking that way about how much money like and how successful the Marvel Cinematic Universe franchise was, mm-hmm. I'd be like, shut up like that's dumb like <laughs> yeah. that doesn't interest me like talking about like same thing with uh, like the oscar ceremony for for at the every year uh like there's this sort of self-aggrandizing 
like let's pat each other on our back for how great we are kind of tone for everything that just kind of it just is just kind of a little too self-serious for me and like don't get me wrong like you you know me i i take a lot of i take film really seriously i take music really seriously i think it's just the context for which you talk about these things could get a bit absurd because yeah that street fighter video like uh one of the players was about to lose he had very very little health left uh and then he kept he blocked it was like 15 hits yeah in a row. so the chun Li super move it does i think yeah the crane strike or something like that it does 15 hits in a row and he had to time his blocks and angle them at the exact right frame consecutively for every single one of those blocks if he missed one of them he would have lost the game and he nailed it perfectly including the final block where you have to jump up in the air angle your block and tap the button at the right time and then he brought it back and won in that moment and it's just the most insane it's they call it the greatest moment in esports because it's so improbable that that would ever happen and it takes the most perfect execution and you can see in the clip the crowd standing up cheering in front of the screen and getting their minds everyone loses their minds and it's the craziest thing and the amount of times i've seen this clip put to music from avengers or music from the anime my hero academia and just like they put it to the most intense music and it just it makes it so enjoyable to watch. It just gets you so hyped. I get so hyped watching that video every single time just because of how amazing of a feat it was. Well, the first time, so you sent me the video without any context. Yes. And I watched the video and I have played Street Fighter. I used to play quite a bit when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, okay, he's about to die. And he came back. Cool. And I, and I sent to you, I was like, I'm not entirely sure I get this. And so you sent me the follow-up video, which explains it in detail, the specifics of him and how he had to time out every one of those blocks. And so I think what this does is it points out to two things that I'd like to talk about. One is it's about memorization. Like he had to re- memorize the specifics of this thing, yeah. which is incredibly difficult because of the timing of it. Uh, and it's kind of like, a crazy version of you know those those jumps in Mega Man where or, or the way a villain's coming at you in Mega Man mm-hmm. and you have to time everything just right in order to get over it or and, and make a jump or whatever. Yeah, it's like ten times that. Um, but I think the 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 big thing I want to talk about is that in order to get that and in order to enjoy that, there is a barrier there. Yes, there's a big barrier. You have to understand why it's. Like how difficult it is to appreciate how amazing it is. Yeah. And I, again, going back, I think that's why regular sports are a lot more accessible because you could see someone making a throw or catching or or a rally in tennis and you could understand that on a physical level yeah. without having to understand the game itself. Because you, you are watching the players do the physical yes. action and you can go, oh, I know how to make my body do that action, but I could never do it in that context. Exactly. Whereas in when you're watching an eSport, you like take the Street Fighter thing for an example, you're not watching the controller. You're just watching the character of Ken do the blocks and you're like, okay, cool. Is this an automated thing? I don't know. So if you don't have the context of playing the game and understanding how difficult that is, yeah, it looks kind of like underwhelming. It's like, okay, fun. I, I think that's the barrier to eSports in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so in my research, I was kind of going through and, and I think that's what, you know, obviously I think a generational thing is happening too, where 
you know, like look at these numbers, they all skew younger. And even the viewing age is like between like 25 and 34. These are people that grew up with video games. Yeah. And if you think about it, like our dad, like he played video games when he was young, but there, he, his perception of video games is vastly different than mine, which is vastly different than yours. Yes. Because I think there gets to a point where, uh, especially for someone like dad, who's just like, I'm just not interested in learning that, mm. you know? And I see that with music too. Like some people, like they get to a point, I don't listen to anything past this point of my life. Like I'm comfortable with this. So I don't want to experience any new stuff. Um, and uh, so I think that's the barrier for esports. Mm-hmm. But in my research, I did see something that instantly connected for me where I, I felt like, oh yeah, that's an that's an obvious way where it could eventually supersede uh regular sports and this is you you might laugh at this but i think it's true online poker Mm. which is now starting to be considered e-sports because a lot of people are playing it online a lot of people are viewing it poker is really popular uh and it's accessible for a large age bracket but again like a lot about poker like if you're watching poker i've watched movies based on poker and they're not always exciting because I don't know how to play poker. Yeah. Um, so it is, it, it, but it, it reaches a broader demographic. And the other thing is mobile games because now everyone has a phone. So m- mobile games are now becoming a big part of esports because everyone has one. Uh, and I read that mobile gaming made 15.3 billion yes. uh, last year in esports. Uh, that's 25% of mobile games revenue. So that's crazy. And that keeps increasing. Yeah. Uh, because again, I think what's going to make esports as successful and popular as regular sports is accessibility. It has to be. Uh, it's already on track to be bigger than uh, regular sports. I, f- I always feel weird saying regular sports or normal sports. It's hard to differentiate. I kind of wish competitive video games had a different name than esports. Kind of like I'm an avid disc golf player. And when I when I'm talking about disc golf and I try to reference it to golf, I usually call it ball golf, and people make fun of me. It's like, well, if I just said golf, <laughs> you'd assume I'm still talking about disc golf. It gets really confusing, and esports has that similar vibe with normal sports. Um, but did you know that the League of Legends World Championships has more viewers than the Super Bowl every year? No, no. And that that League of Legends is the third most watched sport in the country, after football and I want to say baseball. And baseball is becoming less and less popular every year. So once all the old people who are holding on to baseball eventually die off, esports is going to climb even higher. So I read a st- statistic for 2019 because, you know, this is the full year. Yeah. Uh, and it said 22% of internet users say they've watched uh, video game tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a growth of 50% from 2018. 50%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but out of that 22%, they broke it down and it was like China has the most. So they have the most viewers. There was like 40% of that. And then then Vietnam, the Philippines, and Indonesia. But the US and the UK, Italy, and Germany are, are uh, fewer than 10%. Yeah. Uh, so that's not like a big viewership as far as worldwide. Yes. Um, but it, this article said that they had reached 1 billion viewers. Whereas the Olympics or something like the World Cup, they're about 3.5 billion viewers. Um, um, it's eight times bigger than a TV audience for the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a bit unfair because uh, you're comparing all of esports to 
the World Series. Yeah, I mean, in my at least with I'm, the, at least with this statistic, with that one, yeah, like specifically, I'm comparing just the League of Legends World Championships uh, to the Super Bowl, and it gets more viewers. But then again, we in America have sports like football and baseball is is that viewers worldwide yeah that's worldwide and so that's what i was getting at is esports is a worldwide thing where american football and baseball and uh there's another big what's the other big american sport that doesn't bring in a ton of viewership uh i'm drawing golf golf tennis no tennis is huge tennis is like the fourth most watched sport i think anyways the the american sports aren't going to get as much viewer because like people in china and europe don't watch american football whereas you get soccer or cricket which is i think still the most watched sport in the world i don't know anything (laughs) about cricket do you know anything about cricket no i had a guy uh who was from india that i used to work with and he would always have his phone out and he was always watching cricket in the background and I just didn't understand it. And I always imagine that's what people see when I'm watching esports is like, what are you, why are you obsessing w- with this? And like anyone in America, well, most people in America wouldn't understand someone's obsession with cricket just because it's something they have no experience with. Um, but it's the biggest sport in the world. And that's kind of what esports secretly is to a lot of the American people who aren't familiar or aware of it is once you point out to them how big it is, it's almost, they're almost in disbelief. They're like, no. There's no way that many people watch other people play video games. Um, I know earlier you're talking about uh, our dad and his opinion on video games. And I don't know how he was with you growing up. But with me growing up, he was always very antagonistic towards video games. You didn't latch onto it nearly as much as I did. Uh, but he at one point put a lock, uh, a digital lock code on my Xbox. So I can only play it for a certain amount of time every day and at certain times of the day. Uh, little did he know, I went in and spent... 30 minutes doing every possible con every possible combination to unlock it and then change the lock uh so that i could play it whenever i wanted um and he would always say like oh stop playing video games you're wasting your time go do this go do that and he was always pretty antagonistic towards me being very into video games until i graduated college and had an interview at riot games the people who make league of legends to be their esports web content video editor so i would so you'd be the guy that's doing like the the um, like those videos you were talking about <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah probably a little less serious than that um i'm pretty sure they ended up dissolving the position because no one ever got hired for it uh so made me feel a little good about myself <laughs> i didn't get rejected the whole world got rejected um <laughs> but it was until that moment or once that moment happened he and he realized that i had a career path in front of me based in video games he was like oh okay I respect this now. Go ahead and go watch your, go watch, what's that game? League of Legends? Yeah, go watch that. Uh, Sure, as long as you can make money. And I think that's a big part of it is so many people of the general public don't understand that like an esports player has a career path similar to a sports player at this point where if you put in the time and effort, uh, what was that 16-year-old kid who won uh, several millions of dollars from a single Fortnite tournament. He's 16 years old and he's a multimillionaire because he put in so much time in a video game. He got so good at it that he could beat everyone else. And it's and like I was saying, with all the different teams and organizations to support you and sponsor you through this, it's a legitimate uh, career path now. And now we have uh, like esports news channels, like and just esports. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. But anyways, there's just like cows. 
Yes, esports cows. You're milking. I, it looked like you were milking <laughs> the cow. Uh, it's just there's so much around the scene now. People have jobs interviewing players. People have jobs writing articles about stuff. They have people have jobs casting games, uh, reviewing games. It's it's almost like there's an ESPN out there for esports now, and it's it's slowly becoming as big as every other sport out there. It's, it's, is there a channel? Uh, like, are you do you watch? You primarily watch all this online. Right? So that's my favorite part about esports. Is you were talking about the guy who, or I had brought it up initially, but we were talking about the guy who is at a dinner party and watching football in the corner, and it's very important because it's live. And yeah, a lot of esports happen live. But the cool thing is with the infrastructure of esports is if you miss a football game, that's it. It's over. There's no way for you to go watch it unless you DVR'd it, and that's kind of lame. But there's so many online databases that. Uh, catalog these matches and present them to you in a way where it won't tell you who won so you can watch it like you're watching it for the first time like it is live uh so a lot of times like if i'm at work and i miss a super smash brothers tournament i can go onto this website that i have and it will show me okay these were the losers top eight match and then this was this match and it doesn't show you the length of the video because if you see the length of the video and you see that it's 20 minutes long you'll think oh okay this guy won this set three to zero whereas if it's 40 minutes long you know it goes to game five so they'll get rid of the time bar at the bottom so it's just completely fresh so that's so a cool thing about esports is because it's all online and on the internet and through youtube and twitch you can go in and watch these things as if it were live and not have things spoiled for you which i feel like is nearly impossible to do with uh sports is the industry in general i mean uh I think we had talked about this uh, off mic, but I think it has similar issues, though, with um, representation that every other industry has, correct? Um, what do you mean by representation? Well, I mean, I know a lot of the videos were sent and it did feel kind of like a boys' club. Yes. And I know that gaming is uh, accessible for everyone, and it is a big industry, and uh, there's a lot of gamers throughout the world. So to see... I think all the videos you sent me was all predominantly males. Yeah, I don't think there was any females in any of these clips that I sent you. So is that is that is that something that's a problem? Is that something that's being addressed? Or because um, I'm pretty sure a while ago we had I had shared an article with you about esports that was kind of like looking at some of the bigger problems with the industry where it's taking advantage of some of its players. Yeah. Uh, the way uh, college sports does, you know, because anytime you you have these big systems of of po- the people in power are going to take advantage of the the people and players, whether it's the music industry with the record labels taking advantage of the musicians or college sports uh, where they're taking advantage of the players, and and now it seems like maybe that's also happening a bit uh, in esports. Is, has, has there been anything that's been addressing that or to to change it going forward? Or so. Um specifically with the super smash brothers community which is after league of legends the the professional scene that i follow the most there has recently been a big um revelation and exodus of there's a lot of sexual assault issues going on in this world there's a lot of minors and a lot of these tournaments are serving alcohol and there's no supervision and there's no rules and there's a lot of stuff with yeah um terrible sexual incidents with minors and it's all really gross and really disgusting there was just huge exodus of players some of the top names like the number three ranked player in the world gone never playing the game ever again and it's like 
it's shocking as like because they were a victim no because they were a predator oh no so that's, it's it's inter bad. it's interplayer problems where you'd have some players who were in their uh early 20s uh doing stuff with teenagers who were 15 and and it goes every direction it was like older boys with younger girls older girls with younger boys older boys with younger boys it's like everything you every combination is it's all bad and it's like the super smash brothers community has this big open wound right now and it's kind of reeling from all of this terrible things that have been put into the light but we're we're finally at a point where we can start to move past it because uh to's tournament officials are starting to put rules in place of okay anyone who's under the age of 16 requires adult supervision with them at all times no more alcohol is going to be served at any of these tournaments um and i think this is a bigger thing in the gaming community as a whole because it's like the wild rest right now like i said we're not too far into esports in comparison to i think football just had its hundredth season where league legends just had its 10th uh so everyone's still kind of figuring it out and i think uh like esports was not uh, immune from the me too movement and i think we were finally seeing it get to a point where a lot of the terrible people are being uh put in the light and kicked out and have nothing to do with it i know one of the clips i sent you the the super smash brothers uh, ultimate grand finals that took place at evo 2019 um evo is the biggest fighting game tournament uh every single year it happens in june usually i think june july one of those is it um, is it just like is it all fight different fighting it, games yeah so you got super smash brothers you got mortal Kombat, you got street fighter and it kind of cycles in and out depending on what games are popular uh some games i know melee super smash brothers melee which came out in 2001 was played up until two years ago every evo so you got some really old games in there and uh i had told you that they were going to do a marvel versus capcom 2 tournament this year uh as like the 25th anniversary or 20th anniversary it was an anniversary of that game so like it's just the biggest fighting game tournament and and that's important because you know that i i that's a game that i had loved in the past exactly and that's why i brought it up to you well anyways the the guy who ran this evo tournament uh kind of it turned out he was a terrible human being so he was like facilitating terrible things to happen so they got rid of him he's gone and eve they canceled evo flat out this year while they because uh it happened like right before the tournament was supposed to happen and it was going to be online this year because of covid and all that so it was going to already be a weird year for it but they completely canceled the tournament and they put out a statement saying hey this guy he's out of here we realize what he has done is terrible we're going to take all the steps going forward to make sure all of our tournaments in the future are safe for all everyone and that we are going to make this an enjoyable family friendly um environment going forward um so like i said it's like the problems are definitely there uh and i think there isn't too much uh the large majority of the esports community fights against these people and like with using things like reddit and twitter He's like, hey, this guy is terrible. We need to get rid of him. And there's no hesitation from the companies. Um, another big one was, uh, this happened a couple weeks ago, Riot Games, people who make League of Legends, specifically the LEC, which is their European championship uh, league. That They had a sponsorship with, uh, what was it, EOM? Do you know the the super mega city that they're making? Um, it, it's being sponsored by the Saudi Arabian Prince. Oh, uh, and so they were like, yeah, 
this is going to be this super awesome sponsorship that we're going to get and we're going to no. make so much money. And then all of the casters for the European League, they were tweeted out, I'm so disappointed. This is not okay. And maybe like, I think it was less than a day later, they ended, they had already cut ties with uh, these people. I want to remember the name of the mega city. I'm going to look it up. Saudi Arabia mega city. <laughs> Neom is the name of the city. Uh, it's $500 billion and it's being built on like stolen land and stuff like that. And the Saudi Arabian uh, government is apparently super sexist and anti-LGBTQ. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. some of the casters are part of the LGBTQ community and they instantly were like, we are 100% against this and do not support it. And we will not be participating in any uh, casting of League of Legends Masters until this is... Uh, dealt with and they dealt with it within 24 hours they're like yeah we made a mistake uh sorry we'll try to be better next time and it still sucks that it happened in the first place but the fact that they're willing to instantly be like okay this is not good for like human rights reasons and kind of try to move away from it and move forward is a good sign that i think we don't see enough in traditional sports in the game industry are they supportive of the players or is this the type, or, or do you ever see moments where they'll say something like, well, we can always get more players? No, they tend to be very supportive of the players because the fan bases back the players. I think if you compare it to the Colin Kaepernick, the football player who started the whole kneeling during the national anthem thing, and how our country is completely divided, and half of the people think that he should be in prison, and other people think he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to this country and uh, like everyone falls somewhere on that spectrum when it comes to esports player and when they stand up against something that is very clearly against human rights like colin kaepernick was doing then the usually the companies and the people who make the games and the people who run the leagues instantly stand behind these players and say no you are absolutely right whatever we did was a mistake and you have pointed that out to us because it seems like they make a lot of dumb blind decisions for the sake of money but once pointed out to them by the players and the community they they aren't afraid to retract those dumb decisions they make yeah because that's not what happened with colin kaepernick no he's still not playing like he ended his football career because he stood up for what he believed in which yeah yeah it's insane but that of uh, that's another good thing about esports is that doesn't seem to be a problem as of now. People seem to listen. It's tr tricky because obviously, like there are human rights violations throughout the world, and yeah. there are big problems in China. And China obviously has a big uh, viewership for esports and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I I don't know. I guess it's just, it's just a, it's a it's a complex complex thing, especially when it involves so many people. In China, esports players are seen as the highest tier celebrities. Like esports player in China and Korea are the equivalent of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie here. I'm not even kidding you. They are so famous over there. Uh, I also noticed that esports on Twitch is a pretty big thing too. Is that like that's basically like Twitch is basically the ESPN of esports. It's where you go to watch them. That or YouTube. It's one of those two. That's just where uh, all the companies stream their professional tournaments and their professional matches. It's just basically Twitch. Imagine Twitch is a cable box and you can go to a channel. Like you can go to the Riot Games channel where they're going to be showing the LCS, which is the 
North American Pro League, or you can go to the VG Boot Camp, which is going to be showing the biggest Smash tournament that weekend. And you can just hop around to these different channels, and you can favorite these channels so that uh, kind of like you would do with your TV remote. It's like, oh, Channel 35 was Nickelodeon. I'll put that in the favorites because I know I like to go there. You can favorite the the Riot Games channel. So every Saturday afternoon, you can click on it, and there's the, the North American matches being played. I also thought what was interesting about esports or one thing in favor for its longevity is that esports in general could survive if one game in particular isn't as popular as it once was. So if League of Legends um, all of a sudden starts falling out of favor with its fans, that doesn't mean another game could kind of rise up and like take its place as exactly. the next great esports game, which I think helps it in the for its longevity, unlike something like baseball where it's relatively the same thing as it's been. It's been, uh, you know, siphoning viewership and, and, and its attendance is, uh, across the board is lower. Um, it, it, there's only baseball. Once that baseball is gone, baseball is gone. I don't think, I think if you lost League of Legends tomorrow, people, it doesn't have the same weight as saying like baseball is gone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The cool thing about esports too is it's a video game and they patch the game. They change things in the game to keep it fresh and to make it so that it's always enjoyable to go back to. So, uh, especially with League of Legends, every two weeks, they'll put out a new patch. They'll change the numbers on some of the champions, they'll change some of the items. They they just change small things. So, But if you look at the game from the beginning of 2020 to the, what it's going to be at the end of 2020, it's going to be vastly different. And it's just those all those slight adjustments that keep going, that keep it fresh and exciting to come back in. And certain characters are really, really strong, and then they slowly make them weaker. And then another character who's been weak for two years is all of a sudden really strong. So now everyone's practicing this new characters because there's over 150 characters in League of Legends. But... um. Imagine if in baseball, they were like, okay, starting next week, all of the bats are going to be twice as wide, and the ball is going to be the size of a volleyball, and we're going to move everybody in. Every base is going to be moved in three inches, except for the second base. That's going to be pushed out three additional feet. And so just imagine if baseball was getting small tweaks like that. Like, There's no way that could ever happen because this is baseball. This is what baseball is. This is what it's always going to be. Uh, the only changes we see to games like football is safety things, like the helmets, and making rules so you can't tackle people from behind so they don't get hurt, which makes sense. But in in video games like League of Legends and Super Smash Brothers, the creators of the game are constantly adjusting dials and numbers to fine-tune things, and it's called the meta. So the meta basically means, like, this is what is in, this is what people are playing, this is... I think it stands for Most Effective Tactic... Something. <laughs> I don't remember what the A stands for. <laughs> uh, at the moment, I don't know. But basically, it's just like what everyone kind of commonly agrees on, the best way to play the game. And the meta is always shifting because the, the professional or the developers of the games are always adjusting. And that's another thing that's so exciting about esports is you can't get that in traditional sports. You can't have them adjusting the the weight of a football uh, after you know, a hundred years of football. That's just never going to happen. People would freak out, but it's, it's baked into the concept of esports, And that's why it's so cool to follow because it's ever changing. It's a, it's an everlasting gobstopper of competition. Ooh, nice, nice analogy. Um, have, have there, has there ever been any updates to a game where the players are all, you know, mad at the update and say, oh, yeah. whoa, 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 th this is bad. You got to change this. And then did they change that or, Mm -hmm. 
Uh, is that something I've, that happens? There's been some examples in League of Legends where they would change something. They would come out with a new item that's supposed to make it so that support champions can get better gold income. And here I go with all the elite speak uh, garbage nonsense words for you. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then players, after getting their hands on it for a couple of weeks, realize... Oh, this, if we do, they wanted us to do this with this new item, but if we do this thing and take a top lane instead, it's absolutely broken. And then the, the developers go, oh shit, that, that's not what we meant. And they'll go in and fix it next patch. So they can get away with tuning things too far in any given direction because they have the ability to kind of bring it back and like have everything be in balance. Uh, an example of when they didn't do this was Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U commonly referred to as Smash 4. They released a character, Bayonetta, from the video game Bayonetta. Uh, she's a, a witch that uses her hair to fight things because, you know, video games. Um, like Medusa from uh, the Marvel Universe. Yes. <laughs> uh, but she... She's an inhuman. Ooh, I don't know anything about the Inhumans, and I'm kind of excited for that movie if it inevitably comes out one day, maybe. No, no, no. They, they, they did a TV show for the Inhumans. Oh, uh, what am I thinking of? The Eternals. The I'm Eternals, the Eternals. yeah. Different I also don't things. know anything about them. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so pretty cool. <laughs> but we'll talk about those in another time. Bayonetta was in Smash 4, and she completely ruined the game because she changed the fundamental way the game played. And Nintendo didn't... Like, after she came out, I think there was one patch, but they didn't really fix her. So the remainder of that game, she was the most broken character. She had almost a 70% play rate in tournaments. You'd go to a tournament in the top eight people... Six of them would be playing Bayonetta, and she could kill people at 0%. So she basically broke the game, and Nintendo was already done with patching the game, so they kind of ruined that game forever. But sometimes you have the opposite, like you have Super Smash Bros. Melee, which came out on the GameCube in 2001, and they're still playing that game competitively and still learning new stuff about that game, even to this day, and they have made zero changes to that game since it came out. Um, so it's like a lot of the times it depends on the game and the developer on how much they're willing to change or fix it. Uh, but on most modern video games, things that are coming out today and things that are predominantly internet based, uh, there's constant patches, usually somewhere in a two week to one month cycle. I haven't experienced this myself. Uh, I don't play a lot of online games. I don't think I play really any online games. Uh, I know you've talked about this on your show, but there there does seem to be this sort of toxicity with a lot of online games the way yeah. players communicate with each other does any of that exist in the esports world not in esports uh a lot of the time if you are toxic in the esports world your sponsor will drop you you will not be on the team that you're on anymore there's no tolerance for that so has there been any big players that have been like kind of kicked out for saying things that are inappropriate or yeah, the, anti-Semitic or racist or not nothing of that degree. It's more so uh, there's a famous League of Legends player. His name's Dardock. I think he's like 22, and he's been on eight different teams in the last four years or something like that so he just keeps bouncing from team to team and he when he first started his career he was known as being very toxic if if his team didn't win he would start it's called flaming uh just getting very angry and heated at his teammates and like calling them out and being a dick to them uh and then so we'd get kicked off a team and then he would go to another team another team would pick him up and say okay we're gonna be the ones to kind of correct how he his attitude is uh and then it wouldn't work again so then he'd go to another team and he's done that a whole bunch of times and he's bounced around a lot and he's finally getting to the point where he's like calming down as a player but it's a general rule if you are a terrible toxic person 
and you're playing at the top level, you won't, your sponsors won't support you anymore. They're not going to deal with it. Like, cause you're representing their brand. You're representing their team and they don't want anything to do with you if you're a piece of crap person. So at least there's that. And as we know, brands are the most important thing. That's right. Cause they give us money. <laughs> so the last thing that I really want to touch on, uh, is one of my favorite, absolute favorite parts about esports. That's also applicable to traditional sports. And I think the reason why people enjoy any form of Co- high-level competition at all is for the storyline hot dogs hot dogs and the storyline <laughs> uh so one of the the videos i sent you uh we touched on it earlier the evo 2019 smash ultimate grand finals did you watch that in its entirety uh i started and then i probably like zoned out for a bit and then i skimmed forward and then i watched like the ending so the reason well, I said well, well, so before we go forward, let, okay, uh, I have I have played Smash Brothers. Okay, yes, and I've I've never been able to kind of wrap my head around it. I've always been a button masher for that okay. game, mm-hmm. so I've never connected to the game in general. So again, there was another thing that was another instance of watching it and not fully understanding exactly what was happening. At any particular moment. Because I know at that game, like I've watched you play that game and Mm -hmm. I'm always just flustered just by watching you play with our family uh, and friends. Um, So again, that was another one that I think the barrier for entry was a little, uh, uh, little, little higher for me. So I didn't send you this clip and I probably should have made a note of this. Uh, when I sent it to you, I didn't send you this clip for the gameplay. I sent you this clip because of the story. Uh, the The hype level of this match cannot be understated. So it's grand finals. The way Smash Bros. Tournament, tournaments work is it's double elimination. You have to lose twice. And if you go into grand finals without losing, if you win the first set, you win the whole tournament. But if you lose the first set, you get a second chance. So the person coming up from the bottom has to win two sets in a row against the person who made it in through winner's side. Uh, and these two players are the two of the best players in the world. You have MK Leo, who's basically the Roger Federer of Super Smash Bros. Like, trends, I mean, he's not a household name like Roger Federer is, but it's the general idea of... That's a, ref- that's a reference that I get. Roger Federer? <laughs> coming from that tennis family um but (laughs) you can know very little about tennis but if you know anything about tennis you probably know the name roger federer and i think the same thing goes for smash bros if you you might not know a lot about smash bros but if you know anything about competitive smash bros the one thing you would know is that mk leo hand down hands down the best player in the world bar none and he's going up against a guy named tweak who is also, in his own right, a very, very, very good player, easily a top three player at any given time. Um, and what happens in this tournament is Tweak, uh, he comes up through winners, and he hasn't lost a single match yet, and it hasn't even been close. MK Lalo loses very early on in the tournament, and then they make what's called a loser's run, where you go in the bottom half of the tournament, and if you win, if you lose a match, you're out of the tournament. But he goes all the way up to grand finals, and uh it's an amazing back and forth very high caliber match um and tweak goes up 2-0 in games and it's first to three wins so he all he needs to do is win one more game and he wins the entire tournament the at this point in 2019 uh would have been 
June or July. I don't remember when Evo happens. But at that point in time, it was the biggest Super Smash Bros. tournament to ever happen. Had the most entrance and the highest level of competition of any tournament. And he was about to win it cleanly. No competition up until then, and he was up 2-0 against the best player in the world. We then see proceed to see MK Leo reverse sweep him and win the next three games. And then after that, win three games in a row in the reset. So the reset is basically after the loser in grand finals wins. It's basically whoever wins the next set wins. Uh, so then he three O's him in the reset. And it was just astonishing to watch this player who is easily the best player in the world to go from getting crushed to analyzing opponent his opponent, having very, very close games where he was one hit away Um from losing similar to the street fighter thing there was a specific moment uh this is very inside baseball or inside smash bros uh where tweak down airs his joke uh leo's joker with the charizard and leo texts the wall which is basically he just taps the shield button there's a about a two or three frame window uh where you have to hit this button and if he didn't do it game over right there whole tournament lost but he nails this input, which is a very quick, difficult input to nail, and then brings it back and wins. And then he wins six games in a row to take the entire tournament. And just the storyline of that as a Smash Brothers fan and knowing these player, these players and knowing how hard they work and the characters that they play and the intricacies between the matchup of their two characters, it's just it was it's another one of those moments where it's so hype for me because the storyline on top of the execution and the high level gameplay, it's just it's the reason people watch sports. Uh, it just transcends uh, esports, and it's just why people watch competitive anything. Why the Olympics are so popular? It's it's the storylines. It's so interesting to watch and to root behind these people and want to see them succeed when they're down and like rooting for the underdog. And is he really the underdog? Because he's the number one player in the world, but he was getting crushed. It's the back and forth. It's just so interesting to me. And uh, this is a match like I'll show people when trying to like who ask me like, hey, how do I? get interested in competitive smash bros i say okay watch 2019 evo grand finals because if that doesn't do it for you you're not going to enjoy esports you know you're right it's a lot like regular sports anytime someone watches football they know all about the players what their stats are they know about the coach they know how much like how much money was spent on trading players how much the coach probably makes how much the team in general makes, whether or not they're kneeling. You know, there's so many factors into how people view regular sports and it becomes this giant story that they're concocting Mm. uh, on their own in a way uh, with aid from the players and obviously from the announcers and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So yeah, watching all this, it's clear to me that, yeah, like I get this. This I understand why this is popular and why a lot of people like it. I I do think, uh, like I've stated before, that the barrier for me again is just that familiarity with the games themselves. I yeah. think if you have like, if you're really into the game and you understand all the specifics of the game, you could probably enjoy it a lot more because you'll know, like you said, like oh he had to hit this button on this particular frame in order to pull this off, and that's a difficult thing to pull off but not knowing the dynamics or not knowing the mechanics of the game um with that kind of intricacy again like there's that barrier there of like oh i'm not entirely sure why that was supposed to be impressive unless you tell me and if you have to tell me why something's impressive then you know it's kind of like 
Yeah, it's kind of like when you're watching uh, like a movie or something and you see like a really elaborate oneer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of sticks out, um, and everyone could kind of understand even though they don't really know how it was put together. But if you have to point something out to someone like, oh, this scene works because of the way the character rose into the frame and then it changed the focus this way. Like if it's a little more technical, people aren't going to instantly say that, yeah, that's great filmmaking compared to something that's maybe a little more um, on the nose, you know? Yeah. And that's the problem with esports is it's very niche and that barrier to entry is so, it's so prevalent. Uh, if you don't understand what's happening, and like we were saying earlier, with traditional sports, you can understand when someone makes an amazing catch with the football. Like if they push, they only have one hand free and they push the football against their helmet, and that's a highlight play. Or someone does a front flip over another player into the end zone. That's a highlight play. And you as a human being can appreciate that because you know it's hard to front flip over another human being. But you don't realize watching competitive Smash Bros. how hard it is to tech the side platform from a meteor down air from a Charizard, you know, like me saying that to you means nothing. And, but if I said this dude did a front flip over another player and scored a touchdown, I, 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 I thought we determined the last time you were on the show that Charizard was not cool. Isn't that, isn't that what we talked about? I don't, was it Charizard? I, Charizard was the cool one. Bulbasaur is okay. the secret cool or Blastoise is the secret actual cool uh, one. And then Venusaur okay. is just lame. I just <laughs> want to make sure we kept the canon of our show. So. Yeah. People think Charizard's cool, but Blastoise is actually the cool one. But don't tell the Charizard kids them. You got to let them okay. think that Charizard's cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, it, yeah, if you, it's much harder to understand because it's a video game and you need to understand all of the numbers and the mechanics and the inputs as opposed to just general human mechanics that we all have a basic understanding of. Do you think that's getting worse or do you think it's getting more accessible? Well, I mean, we talked about that earlier when the accessibility because there's just more of it and because yeah. people have access to it on their phones. But the games themselves, do you think that's getting a lot more difficult? Yeah, absolutely. Because I could show you uh, this Smash clip or even the Dota 2 clip, which I have under uh, trouble understanding. Uh, and I could show that to someone that I'll have no idea what's going on. But I can put the Tetris World Championships in front of anybody and they'll be like, oh, I get it. They're lining up the blocks and then it clears it. And if you, it gets to the top of the screen, you lose. Anyone can understand Tetris, you know? So, because it was an NES game, it was very simple back in the day. Games had to be simple back in the day to work. But now we're at a point where video games can be so complex and there can be so much going on that it, as someone who doesn't know what's happening coming in looking at it, they will, they won't be able to follow it whatsoever because there's just too much. I mean, it sounds a lot like the comic industry or at least superhero comics because. If you were to just start reading comics now, uh, the the barrier to entry is pretty high because there's like 50 plus years of history and backstory for a lot of these characters. Uh, and that can be rewarding if you've kept up with it for a while or you do some research, but it can be really difficult to get in there because if you went and saw Avengers Endgame, which was massively popular, made like $2 billion worldwide, highest grossing film of all time. Clearly, a lot of people saw it. If any of those people that are unfamiliar with the comics walked into the store and picked up the newest issue of Avengers comic, they'd have no fucking clue what was going on. They'd have no idea what those characters are, how they're connected to the movie characters, how they're different from the movie characters, what their history in the comics are versus the history in the... So there is... It's, it's, it seems like there's a... a 
a lot of similarities there. Yeah, absolutely. There's just there's so much there that you have to understand before going in and watching it. And like I said, with uh, with my boss uh, Steve, he had no idea with League of Legends, and he just put the time in to learn it. And slowly over time, he asked a ton of questions. The questions never stop; they still don't stop. Uh, <laughs> but over time, a couple months, he finally he enjoyed the idea of it so much that he was willing to commit to it and learn everything. And now he's such a huge fan. And that, and I never thought I would see the day that someone who didn't play the game could get into watching the professional side. Watching him do it made me think, okay, there is a way to make this happen, and we we might be a decade away from it, but there will be a point where competitive esports people don't play the game. Not as many people play the game because right now it's like probably ninety nine percent of viewers also play the game. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure there will be a point in time where maybe that'll be down to only 80% of viewers play the game and 20% just got into it from just watching because their friend watched it or a relative of their watched it. Uh, and I think that is something that can happen in the future as things become more accessible and they start to figure that out. I know for a while, uh, I don't I don't know if they still do it, but for the biggest League of Legends matches, say like the World Finals, uh, there's the mainstream with the main casters who are very inside baseball, very particular uh, going into details about all the abilities and the champions and the items and the numbers and the money and the gold. Uh, and then there's another stream where it's called the beginners uh, stream and they're going over everything at the most base level, explaining things fully on the most broadest senses to help newer fans enjoy it and kind of understand what's going on. And I always thought that was such a cool thing because it allows like I could have you over to watch the League of Legends World Championships and we could put on that stream as opposed to the the regular one and the people uh who are casting and narrating it will be able to explain to you what is going on in a way that I probably can't cuz they have a better understanding of the game. Uh and that's just such an in- interesting way for them to try to get people who don't play the game into watching the game. Uh but yeah, like I said with my boss Steve being able to do it, I think it's definitely something that over time will happen more and more and it's gonna be really cool to have that uh viewer base grow in that way well thanks for being my spiritual esports guru of course guiding me through the world of of esports and and trying to make the case for why um it's a um a viable form of entertainment (laughs) thanks if uh if things ever get back to normal, we'll have to have you over for... We usually have viewing parties for like uh, the North American Finals or the World Finals for League of Legends. And you, you'll have to come over sometime and watch that with us. Uh, just okay. commit three to five hours. It'll be probably really confusing. Three to confusing. five hours. Well, each match goes somewhere between usually like 25 minutes to 40 minutes. And then there's the in-between where the players take a break and stuff. So, okay. And it's usually All best right. three out of five. Deal. Only if we can record a bonus follow-up episode that we'll record during watching it. Deal. We won't record the whole three to five hours, but yeah. we'll do like, we'll do interviews between everyone that's there and we'll, we'll do a follow-up and it'll be like, you know, man on the streets kind of figuring it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm in there. I'm experiencing it live. I'm experiencing esports. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Deal. Exactly. We'll do that. Perfect. On our show, as you know, we make recommendations based off of the topic of conversation so jeff now that i uh have my my pinky toe dipped into the waters of esports where should i go next 
Uh, all right. So the one recommendation that I thought of, obviously, there's endless esports stuff on YouTube. The Score Esports is that uh, YouTube channel that we were talking about that was like a little over dramatic, but it does a really good job at making these really big moments in esports uh, seem big and cool and kind of explaining and breaking them down. So that's a good resource if you if you have no idea about esports and you're kind of curious as to why people get excited about it. But uh, this is a little bit different. It's a documentary, and I'm pretty sure you've seen it. It's called The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. Oh, I was going to recommend that to you. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, so, yeah, King of Kong is great. So for those who don't know, King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters is a documentary about two guys going back and forth trying to break the Donkey Kong world record. So it's kind of almost the origin of esports because Donkey Kong was one of the first popular arcade games. Uh and this goes into kind of the perfecting of the game and you learn some of the really in-depth minutiae about kill screens and like the maximum amount of points you can get on any given level and stuff like that uh so it introduces you to uh, people getting really excited about the very fine details of a video game but it also has an amazing story and it has a villain (laughs) in a documentary that wasn't expected to have a villain uh billy mitchell the scum of the earth he's such a piece of shit <laughs> that guy sucks but watching that documentary yeah. is so interesting um yeah it's good you you wrote you uh root for steve steve weebly is that his name the the other dude who uh he's like he's just a good honest man who's trying to break the donkey kong world record and he does it and then two days later this other guy sends in a dvd or it was a vhs saying hey look i broke i broke your record (laughs) and he gets away with it it's crazy uh yeah i highly recommend king of kong a fistful of quarters i i was gonna recommend that same documentary i have an additional recommendation i wanted to recommend uh a show that's on apple tv plus uh the new apple streaming service it's called mythic quest uh, and it is a, a behind-the-scenes uh, making of a um, MMORPG video game. So it has a mm. lot of overlap about what you've been talking about, whether it's kind of like that internet culture of instant fan response to the games, the updating games frequently uh, by updating, updating the game for what they think the players want versus you know what the the creators of the game want so it gets a lot into the minutiae of the gaming industry and i thought it made it accessible and really really funny it's created by rob uh mckelney m-c-e-l-h-e-n-n-e-y uh and charlie day they're part of it's always sunny in philadelphia but also um megan gans who is part of our beloved uh community uh, I know you're a big fan of Community, as am I. I do I don't know love if we've Community. talked about that on my show. But anyway, Megan Gans is responsible for some great Community episodes, and she is the showrunner along with uh, these other two guys. So it's it's really funny. Uh, you should give it a, a watch. You could sign up for like a week-long uh, trial for Apple TV and watch the show in a week because there's only 10 episodes, and they're all like half hour long. So Is the full the first season's fully done? Yeah, and they even did an episode, uh, a COVID episode, oh, uh, cool. which uh, on its face sounds awful because like who wants to watch that now? But I think it works well for the show because it's, you know, these people that are 
are trying to run a business essentially and how are they maintaining that while they're all working from home and stuff. Uh, and it has a surprisingly poignant moment, which I didn't expect. Uh, hmm. It's a good show. Um, there's a standalone episode uh, halfway through the season that I really didn't expect. Uh, it's really charming. So yeah, give give that a, a look-see. I'll have to check it out. Jeff, tell our listeners where they can find you and the Game Sharks podcast. All right. You can find the Game Sharks podcast anywhere you can get a podcast, pretty much. Uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the big three. And I think it's found its way onto most other podcasting services uh you can find our we have a website thegamesharks.com we write articles about video games every once in a while it's not our full-time job so they don't come up too frequently but when we get really passionate about something we want to say review a game or really go in depth about an old game or discuss a topic of interest we'll write an article uh so that'll go up there you can find us on instagram at game sharks podcast we post one picture a week usually pertaining to whatever our episode tends to be about uh they can be pretty goofy sometimes so that's definitely worth checking out uh yeah those are the three main places you can find us game sharks podcast give us a listen if you like video games nice uh thanks for coming back on the show thank you for having me i really appreciate it this is a good talk thanks for being my brother (laughs) younger brother i just said brother i didn't i there was no qualifying there what i I didn't i didn't use the l word for our listeners that's little you cut out little brother cut out very i didn't say little brother I didn't uh, say little brother, even though he's my little brother. <laughs> younger brother, I'm much larger than you. I could beat you up. I've knocked your teeth out. Little brother, goodbye. Thank you for listening to What Did We Miss? If you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, Stitcher Premium, and Google Play. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Did We Miss? And thanks, as always, to What Cheer Writers Club in downtown Providence, where we record our episodes. If you want to learn more about them, you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at What Cheer Club and visit their website at whatcheerclub.org.